AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Joining us right now is Mike Norton. He's with Dorsey and Whitney, a lawyer with them. He is helping to represent the uh, the, the members, residents of the city of Minneapolis who have, well, for lack of a better way, been kind of discriminated against because of a lack of enforcement of the housing code uh, as a fair, uh, the, the rental code in a fair manner in North Minneapolis. He's kind enough today to join us to talk about the lawsuit against the city. Mike, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Now, first of all, let, let's start at the beginning of this uh, here. So uh, clearly, I, I'm getting the impression the conditions in North Minneapolis in regards to the, 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 the codes for rental units is they're, they're, the conditions are not that good. It doesn't sound like overall there's a lot of, of quality that's available. Is that a fair statement? That is totally right. I mean, if, if you read through our complaint and just get an idea of what our plaintiffs have had to deal with um, over the last, you know, some have been in North Minneapolis as little as five years, some up to 40 years. I mean, it just runs the gamut of unlivable homes. I mean, we've got cracked foundations and non-watertight windows and leaking tubs and showers and which you know all of that leads to water damage which begets mold and we've had sagging roofs and ventilation failures electrical issues and and these are families and so at the end of the day i mean this is really coming down to a human rights issue uh, the the fact that 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 10 family members got together here I, w- w- was it a situation where they're all in the same building or they're people that knew each other how did how did this group of, of residents come together so there's been great organizing around this effort over the years, um, most certainly. And, and Dorothy and Whitney has had a long-standing relationship in the community on housing issues. Uh, we've had a long-standing relationship with the housing court. I, I myself am often involved with our monthly um, housing clinic, helping to protect folks from getting evicted. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, this is really just uh, grassroots um, North Minneapolis residents, both homeowners and tenants uh, trying to organize around this issue, and, and they've just been integral. And, you know, Dorothy and Whitney, we have just played uh, a really specific role here on something that they have really been doing all on their own for years, and we're just trying to elevate this issue to help get change. You guys, um, it, it, the, some of the statistics that uh, it were brought to the attention in this lawsuit are pretty stark here. Nine times more rental housing complaints, but experiencing significantly less enforcement than its predominantly white counterparts. Uh, Residents, many of them families with young children, are forced to endure conditions ranging from water damage to faulty electrical wiring to safety hazards that have trapped kids due to faulty injuries. As well as also, they're they're basically wanting the city to change. Is this a case? I'm, I'm going to... I'm, and this is going to be easy for me. I'm going to play stupid for a second, okay? But just just to ask the question, Mike, um, is it just the city doesn't have enough inspectors, or are the inspectors, you know, they're far more likely to be, you know, and, and the enforcement is far more likely to happen in the more well, the, the more white areas of the town. So this this case, it's not about money at all. We have not asked for money at all. Um, the plaintiffs receive nothing directly. Our ask is so simple, and that is for the city to, to put the inspectors where the problems you know, lie. And, and you're totally right. 
So North Minneapolis is 16% of the population, but it's half of the complaints. And there are about 30 district-specific inspectors around the city, and North Minneapolis gets less than a quarter of them, but makes up half of the complaints. Now, if you go to South Minneapolis, towards 11, 12, and 13, down there at the bottom, uh, they are only 5% of the complaints, but they have nearly 30% uh, of the inspectors. So we're really just asking, we need to shift the, the city's resources to match demand. Instead of uh, organizing this based on population around the city, we need to put half of the inspectors in North Minneapolis. There's just, and even at the individual staff level, you know, it's, it's hard for an inspector to comprehend if we have the same human inspector be able to be as efficient in North Minneapolis as they are in South Minneapolis, just given the demand that they're being placed upon. The conditions described here, you know, this is the other thing that I think is is alarming in in this story is it's it's hard to kind of comprehend. There are people that are living in this city that are living in housing units, which, for lack of a better way to say it, sound like they should be condemned. I mean, for like, I mean, I, I mean, when you're when you're talking about wiring issues and leaking water, I mean, we're going into winter. And it doesn't sound like many of these houses, there seems to be some, probably whether these houses are going to stay fit for people to be able to reside in them during the winter months. So totally right. that Some of these are, are just unlivable houses, but we do think at the end of the day that, you know, landlords might up front say, oh, well, um, you know, there's just, it's untenable. But we think at the end of the day, this is an enforcement issue and we can make these houses livable. Um, but you're totally right that this is a human rights issue. These houses should be livable. And it's not too much to ask of the city uh, to make sure that the housing stock from every ward in the city is simply livable. Uh, absolutely. Because, you know, <laughs> and, and, and okay, this is not exactly a high bar to achieve. I mean, this, this is the this is kind of one of those things that's kind of hard to kind of comprehend that this is the, this has gotten this bad. Yeah, no, totally. And, and um, you know, if you, if you look at uh, just how the, the racial component is around the city, uh, we think we have a strong argument, uh, both under the Minnesota Constitution and the Minnesota Human Rights Act, uh, to, to help ameliorate these issues and really, um, you know, solve the, uh, the, the components that are really making these houses unlivable. And just to, I'll, I'll run through some of the other issues in our complaints, since I know a lot of your listeners uh, certainly haven't probably read it, maybe have just seen some coverage around the city, uh, but one of our plaintiffs had a refrigerator run off a power cord for, for months. Uh, another, um, you know, had doors lacking doorknobs, and, and one of our plaintiffs is a mailman here in the city. And Wait, uh, wait you know, second, can, can, I, can I stop you a quick second? Doors without doorknobs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, Who would have thought it was required? Yeah. What What in the hell? Uh, okay, so you're basically an open-air residence, you know, I guess. Uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so we, we have one plaintiff who, uh, you know, is a mail carrier and is able to really see um, the, the full broad spectrum just on the street, and he's he described doors lacking doorknobs and, and uh, you know, houses without windows. And then plaintiff wow. tenants have had issues of windows shattered that have never been resolved. And actually, one of our plaintiffs finally had to move out because that 
that window was never fixed uh, before they finally gave up and decided they had to leave. Okay, can I ask this this element of this? Because I and I'm not sure if this has anything to do necessarily with the suit. Obviously, you're talking about the the discrepancies within the enforcement policies in the city. But who are these landlords that when someone has an open window on their place, they're like, okay, I don't really want to have to deal with this. I mean, it would seem to me that that should be something that you have 24 hours or else the city's going to put you in cuffs and we'll take over the building. I mean, that, that it, it doesn't seem to me that, that there's other human beings that are this, this horrible that they would treat other human beings this way. There have certainly been many high-profile cases um, in the last few years of specific landlords. Um, Con is one that comes to mind that, that rose all the way um, to the Supreme Court, um, and then he also uh, had a petition for the U.S. Supreme Court. So how that one went, it was uh, denied. Um, but then you've also had the Attorney General's office uh, address this issue, going after specific landlords. And, and what our suit is really about is we've observed this whack-a-mole of you know individual landlords that they're going after, and we need to take a step back and, and really do it much earlier instead of. Um, in the situation of, of Khan, where he was able to survive uh, a decade with violations, we really need to start it much sooner and much more aggressive so that landlords are kind of on notice that uh, the tone has shifted and that enforcement will be expected, whereas right now it seems that they know in at least wards four and five, they can get away with a lot and their rental license will not be affected. Well, and that's, and there's where this whole piggybacks. I mean, as you just said, if there is no enforcement, the landlord has no incentive to basically treat other human beings as human beings. Totally right. Yeah. I mean, this really is just making these homes livable. And, and I think the city, we, we're not asking a lot of them, um, just want them to really focus the resources where the problems lie, um, so that that way we can make these homes livable and, and make sure that the capital stock from, from every ward in the city is livable for every family. I know, obviously, you can't talk too much about the case so far. What, what's been? Have you had any response from the city of Minneapolis on this? The only thing we've had so far is that they're uh, considering the complaint. As you can expect, litigation does take time. They'll have a few weeks to uh, provide their answer um, and then we will go through the discovery process um, and start creating a timeline. Uh, you know, we are hopeful that because our ask is, is quite simple, just to, you know, assign half of the inspectors where the problems lie um, in wards four and five, that, that maybe this can come to a quick resolution. But, of course, uh, it will just take time. Litigation, you know, yeah. uh, takes time. Well, and it, it also, if I can, I mean, because obviously that's that, that, like that's a, a very minimal. I mean, your ask is a very low bar for this city to have to accomplish. I would make an argument, maybe the city, you know, hey, we have always have enough of a tax increase when it comes to a new sports stadium. But, you know, maybe we, we increase taxes. Oh, I don't know. A cent or two, get enough revenue, hire more than enough inspectors, and then basically make sure that the people of, of Minneapolis aren't being treated like they're substandard humans. I mean, I, I, I think your policy is, and obviously, like I said, an e a very low bar there, but I'm almost kind of wondering, okay, if there's a problem with the amount of inspectors, well, then I think if you went out there and explained to people, we need to make sure we have enough inspectors so people aren't living in third world conditions in the city of Minneapolis, well, I think most people would get on board with that as well. 
It's a sensible ask. Um, you know, it would always be great if, if government had unlimited resources. Um, and, of course, our lawsuit doesn't really uh, address the, the resource side of it. But we do think uh, with the fixed amount the city has now that uh, just shifting even those limited 30 inspectors uh, to make sure that, that North Minneapolis has the, the resources they need, uh, you know, they could address these issues. But, uh, you know, of course, uh, whatever the voters of Minneapolis are uh, in support of, um, to address this issue, I, I do think you're correct that this is a real human rights issue. It's and, 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 and frankly, a few cents for every residence. Not, that's uh, that's a pretty easy fix too. Uh, I, I would think. I don't think it'd be. That's not exactly a Herculean jump as well. Uh, any timeline you guys have on this, or is this still once again? You're you know, I understand the courts situation. You have to sometimes wait for for um, you know you know people to respond in court times and stuff like this. But has there been any timeline established yet? No, we were actually just assigned our judge yesterday, so um, you know it'll be a little bit of time to to get the process started. Um, but you know we are hopeful that we could come to a a quick resolution here. Um, but yeah, as you can imagine, the um, just the timeline for discovery can take months, and we are hoping to to go through and kind of see all of the city's perspective here on how they. Uh, further assign inspectors. But, you know, as we've seen the stats, uh, they're just really quite shocking that uh, a city, part of the city that is 16% of the population just has uh, so few inspectors and wards that only are 5% of the population or 5% of the complaints are nearly 30% of the inspectors. Well, it clearly is a, 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 a tilted system. I, I, one Another point here I wanted to ask you really quick. I mean, this is, you have 10 North Minneapolis residents that are in on this lawsuit. The reality, though, is that we're talking a lot more people, though. Correct? Is that a fair assessment? Completely right. Yeah. Um, as as you can imagine, um, finding plaintiffs that that fit this this narrow position of of having filed complaints against the city and and be able to have the right standing you need in a lawsuit like this. Uh, living in what is some of the worst housing stock in the city where uh, they might be on month-to-month leases. Uh, they might worry about repercussions from a landlord if they're suing the city in this situation. It, it, you know, we certainly could not cover the full um, you know, scope of plaintiffs that might fit for the case. And we were able to find, thankfully, some very brave plaintiffs to come forward. Um, we are very thankful uh, for the Jordan Area Community Council, which is uh, homeowners who have been organizing for years in, in their neighborhood, and also to IX, uh, United Renters for Justice, who has been organizing on this issue with tenants for years. Um, they have both been integral in helping find people who, who have been very brave, frankly, you know, um, in this issue to come forward and to, to allow us to tell their story. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's multifold. You obviously want the public to know what's going on with this case as well as also if there's people that might actually apply as well to this case. Is there a, is there a place to go to, for people to get more information about this, uh, this, this lawsuit? Or is it just one of those things we need to keep in track of this in the news? So we, we haven't, this is not a class action. So I think probably most of your listeners kind of understand this type of lawsuit in that frame. Um, this is a limited amount of plaintiffs. Okay. Um, but but I'll, I'll caveat that certainly, you know, if um, 
somebody felt that they you know fit the right profile of having filed complaints to the city um, and, and uh, you know feel like that they fit everything within the theme of our uh, lawsuit, then there are court opportunities um, to to be able to join. Um, but yeah, I think that the initial read would be someone would want to be able to find our complaints. Uh, the Star Tribune did a, a long uh, story on it earlier this week, would probably be one of the first places to start just to understand what our suit really is about. Um, and I'll make sure I get that uh, that story po- reposted for you guys so that people can stay informed on this. All my best on this because this is this is one of those basic human things. And as is, is, is you know, that is it, it, it's amazing to me sometimes how people sometimes treat other human beings. It, it, it is somewhat discouraging, but it's also incredibly discouraging that the people that are there to make sure that people aren't getting taken advantage of aren't doing their job either. That only compounds the problem. So all my best to you guys on this. I hope that they, you get a, a solid resolution and you just get some basic enforcement installed in the, in the areas you're representing. Thank you. Yeah, no, we, uh, we're hopeful that we can get movement with the city and, and get some changes. You know, these residents and tenants really are at the end of their rope, which is, is why we had to file this lawsuit. But we, we hope this brought attention and hopefully we'll be able to get policy change with the city. Uh, Mike Norton is with Dorsey and Whitney. He is helping part two represent the 10 North Minneapolis residents who filed the lawsuit against the city, alleging glaring discrimination in rental housing code enforcement. Uh, we'll also keep up to date as well as we see a new story on this. I'll make sure you talk about this. Mike, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Mike Norton, once again, Dorsey and Whitney representing the uh, 10 North Minneapolis residents there in their 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 case against the city. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.